Welcome to episode 15 of the Farm Exec Podcast. I'm Michelle Mascali, Senior Editor of Farm Exec Magazine. And I'm Kristen Harm, Associate Editor of Farm Exec Magazine. Pharmaceutical Executive Magazine is a multimedia publishing brand that brings you the latest commercial insights for the C-suite. Kristen, what are we talking about on this episode? Today we're speaking with Corey Kidd, the CEO of Catalia Health. And Michelle, you actually met Corey a few months ago, right? Yeah, so as you'll hear, um, I met him at the Ascendia Conference in Vegas. And while we normally only have C-suite level executives from pharma or biotech companies on the podcast, I really thought it would be helpful for our listeners to hear about how robotics and AI are being used in the industry since it's so new, and Corey is a really at the forefront of this. He's really a pioneer in this area of the industry. Yeah, Corey is great, and I found it really interesting because uh, he talked a little bit more about the robot Maybu that he created. I had seen a video that Michelle took interviewing Maybu and Corey at Assembia, so that was cool. Yeah, and if you... If you want to see it, what you can do is uh, just go to our website, farmingfacts.com, and in the search bar, just put in Mabu, M-A-B-U, and you can actually see the video as well. Um, and for the executives listening to this podcast, by listening to this, you'll be gaining a better understanding of how pharma companies are using robotics and AI, what the funding landscape is like in this area at the moment, and what you as a C-suite level executive need to do now to be at the forefront of this trend for the future. Before we play Corey's interview, we just want to remind you that if you like our podcast and the interviews that we provide, please review us on whatever app that you're using. And you can also always send us a tweet with any comments or if there's a topic that you want to learn about or an executive that you really want us to interview because you want to hear from them, you can always send us a tweet at FarmExec or you can reach Kristen at Pontificating or you can reach me at Mescali on Twitter. Great, let's take a quick break before the interview. So we know you've been keeping up with our podcast episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play, among other apps. But did you know we also have a pretty cool social media presence? Our social media expert, Lisa Higgins, keeps our readers and listeners up to date on latest articles, podcast episodes, and industry trends. We'd love to interact with you and hear what you have to say about our podcast, article content, and magazine through our Twitter at FarmExec, our YouTube channel at FarmExec, and our Instagram at FarmExecutive. And then, of course, you can always find us at FarmExec.com. Hey, FarmExec listeners. We're here today with Corey Kidd. He's the CEO of Catalia Health, which is a company that delivers patient engagement across a variety of chronic conditions. Welcome to our podcast, Corey. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Corey, can you give our listeners a brief introduction into what you're currently working on? Sure. So Catalia Health is a chronic disease care management company. And the concept there is not new. You know, we do that at scale, but usually the way that's done is we're sending someone out to a patient's home, you know, the home health model, or very common, we've got call centers full of nurses and other clinicians that are going to call patients. So we deliver the same kind of care, but in a, in a very unique way. So instead of these call centers full of nurses, we actually give our patients a cute little robot. 
that sits on their bedside table or kitchen counter or coffee table and talks to them. So our company is an interesting mix of clinical expertise and expertise in artificial intelligence and psychology. And so at core, what we're focused on is being able to deliver care management, but in a very scalable way. So now we can talk to our patients every day and provide this to many more patients than is possible currently. So, Corey, you also are sort of the expert in this robotics field and have been involved in it for a really long time. Um, And we're going to go into that a little bit later on the podcast. But for our listeners, can you also tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience with that? Because that's one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on the podcast, for your expertise in this area. Yeah, absolutely. So as you hinted at, I've I've been at this for a while, so I've been in the health tech space for a little over two decades now, and the first 10 years or so was in academia. So I did my degrees in, my undergraduate degrees in computer science with a focus on artificial intelligence, and I spent uh, a number of years building technology for an aging population, so looking at ways we can help people live at home longer. And then my graduate work was at MIT in the Media Lab, which was an interesting mix of artificial intelligence and psychology, and always applied through interactive robots. Uh, And then I spent about three years part-time at Boston University Medical Center in endocrinology. So by training a PhD and not an MD, but it's, it's, it's been a mix of different things. And I'll give you the really brief summary of the psychology and AI part of my graduate work, because it leads directly to what we're doing at Kataya Health today. Now, you know, you and everyone listening to this probably spends a lot of your time in meetings. And, you know, people like me, I spend a lot of my time on planes going to meetings, right? Why do all of us go to that much effort to to spend time face-to-face with people? You know, we get intuitively that it's different. And it turns out psychologically, we know what those differences are. When we're face-to-face with someone versus on the phone or sending emails or even a great video conference, we're face-to-face, we're more engaged, we create a stronger relationship. There are a number of other differences. And it turns out that those differences carry over into the world of technology. In other words, when we actually put this cute little robot that we build or something like it in front of a person or a patient, we get those psychological effects of face-to-face interaction. And where that really makes a difference is around long-term engagement. So the background academic work that I've finished up about 11 years ago now showed that, you know, this is really effective at, you know, helping across this whole class of problems and challenges where we are really focused on long-term engagement. And since then, the last 10 years, I've started a couple of companies focused on commercializing this. And I think we'll talk probably a little bit about what we're doing here today at Catalia Health in a few minutes. Yeah, and, and for the record, you know, we're doing this by phone. We're actually not in a meeting or face-to-face. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought that was kind of interesting since you were talking about that. But I, So I actually met Corey, uh, for our listeners, I met Corey in April. He was actually part of the last panel at Assembia. Um, on the last day of the conference, and I have to tell you, the room was packed, and this blows me away, and you can ask Kristen, I tell this story all the time, because anyone who has ever been to a conference knows this is usually not the case. You know, no no offense, Corey, um, but usually the last (laughs) session of the last day, there's like, you know, three or four people, and, and that's it. So, and after the session was done, what amazed me even more is that people were there lining up to talk with Corey. Um... And I even think I remember you had something, we had something plugged in, and they were, like, unplugging. Like, we were literally breaking down the room, and there was still a line of people to talk with Corey. Like, it was insane. That's impressive. Yeah, it was totally impressive. So, 
I'm sure some of it had to do with the fact that he had Nebu with him. Uh, so tell us a little bit about Nebu and how you developed her. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it was funny. The stage was literally disappearing around us as we were talking there. But, yeah, we had this cute little yellow robot sitting there. And if anyone's curious, you can go to our website, KataliaHealth.com, to see a photo or video of it. But it's this cute little robot that's about 16 inches tall. And, you know, I deliberately used the word cute. It was designed to be that way. We brought in IDEO, the big international design firm, to, to work with us on doing that. And, you know, it's supposed to be friendly and approachable. But what we're doing behind the scenes is really delving into the psychology of how it connects with people, building the artificial intelligence. So what's happening here is it's actually creating a conversation on the fly for patients. So to describe the robot really briefly for people who haven't seen it, you know, a little desktop or countertop size thing, the size of a kitchen appliance roughly. It has eyes that will look at you, so it will make eye contact while it's talking to you. There's a screen on the front. Many of our patients do tend to be older. So while she's talking to you, she's also showing what she's saying on the screen. It's something that we found to be very effective to make it easy to interact. You know, maybe if I'm getting older and my eyesight or my hearing aren't quite as good as they used to be, having both at once just makes it a lot easier. And I can respond either by talking to her, like we can to a lot of devices these days, or by touching a button on the screen. So we make interaction as simple as possible. And what she's doing, though, is creating a conversation about the condition that I'm dealing with and where I am on my treatment and really tailoring that information to me. Anyone who, any of our listeners, if you actually want to see me, Boo, in action, I waited till everyone was done talking to Corey at the conference, and we took a quick little short YouTube video for our website. So if you go to farmexec.com and search Nabu, M-A-B-U, you will be able to see her in action. Yeah, it's a really cool video. When Michelle got back, well, Michelle didn't even get back from the conference. She sent me a text and she was like, you have to check the new video that we have. It's so cool. And I went on and uh, I just thought it was so interesting that it we have like an interactive and empathetic AI and yeah. Michelle was like, we got to get yeah, I guess I'm on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, Corey, you've been involved in the area of robotics and AI well before it was trendy. So tell us how you've seen the healthcare and pharma companies warm up to the technology and use it over time. Well, you know, I think as with any technology, that is a slow process. You know, pharma is a, you know, deliberately slow-moving industry in terms of change. You know, there are some areas that we try to move very quickly in, in terms of discovery and development. But most of the things, you know, we're very careful in terms of deciding what to do next, what to change, what new things to try. And I've been selling into the industry for, I think, 11 years now. And I've seen a, you know, very gradual warming up to this. In certain areas, you know, I think particularly on the drug discovery side, we've seen a lot of advances in AI over the last few years and a lot of excitement around that. In the part of the business that we are in on the kind of patient care management side, it's been a bit slower, you know, and I think we're starting to see a few companies adopt this today. There are several pharma companies that we've been working with for three or four years now since I started Catalia Health, and I think that we're going to see a lot of that really pick up over the next few years. Are there any pharma or health companies out there using AI and robotics to its full capabilities at this point, do you know of? I don't think anybody is using it to its full capabilities. I think part of that is because we don't know yet what those are. <laughs> you know, we've got 
we've got a ways to go to figure that out. It's, you know, AI, of course, as a field has been around for a long time. We're talking about, you know, more than a half a century now. But applying it into pharma, applying it into healthcare is still relatively new. There are a lot of interesting things that are happening right now. We're starting to see some great outcomes in a number of different areas. Uh, but it's going to take a while to be able to truly use this in the way that everyone could benefit from. And, again, there are some companies on that path. There are others that are maybe starting to think about it, but it's, it's going to take a bit of time. Those companies that are on that path, can you – I'm not asking you to tell us about, you know, which companies they are, but can you describe, you know, for our listeners, the CEOs that are listening to this and who have a, you know, biotech or a pharma, you know, company, I want to be able to give them some examples of what you're seeing – those other pharma or health companies, how they're using it. So could you maybe give us, like, an example of someone who, you know, as you said, not many people are are using it well because we don't really know the full capabilities. I get that part. Um, but some of maybe, you know, just an example of one of the ones that you think are at least on the right track to be starting to use it correctly. Well, I'll give three types of examples of things that I'm seeing. So Perfect. kind of going through the life cycle of a drug you know, there are definitely some interesting things happening at the very early stages in the, the drug discovery phase and, you know, trying to use AI to optimize what we're doing at that stage. There are also some interesting things happening in the clinical trial phase, uh, either from a data perspective and understanding what's going on or from a recruitment perspective, you know, how do we find patients for trials through things like what we're doing at Catalia Health on the patient care management side. And I think that as you progress through each of those three, there's probably a little bit less happening. You know, most at the early stages, a little bit in the middle, uh, and not so much at the, the end once the drug is on the market. So this is something I, I saw at Assembia. Uh, when you go into a company to talk about your products, and I think actually someone even asked you this at Assembia or it was brought up at some point, um, or at these conferences, you know, what's the pushback? What makes these pharma and biotech companies nervous when it comes to robotics or AI? And I wanted to talk to you about this because, like I said, I think someone actually asked you about it at Sambia, but I also could see the people's faces during your presentation. And, I mean, there were other people on the panel, and they were kind of, um, I think people were, you know, a little hesitant about some of the things they were talking about as well. But I'm curious what your experience, um, your experience is on a regular basis when you go in. Like, what are they, like, saying, like, okay, well, yeah, this is interesting, but. So what's the but here with that you're getting from these pharma or biotech companies when you're talking to them? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a very good question. You know, I think a lot of what it comes down to is, is somewhat just a fear of trying something new. You know, we've got things that are in place that we've been doing with patients, and that's just the way it's done. And, of course, there is some hesitation around, you know, using a robot in a patient's home, using AI to do this. But a lot of the, the objections that I hear are less about the specific technology and more about doing something different. And, you know, there's a bit of irony in that, in, you know, that we wouldn't even be having that conversation if what we're doing today is working. <laughs> you know, so in the, the case of what we do around care management, again, we've got these call centers that are calling patients maybe once or twice a month, which is great. We're providing some support to those patients, but it's very different when we can talk to them every day and, you know, deliver timely information and really adapt that conversation to the patient. 
And, you know, so at a very high level, we're not doing anything new. We're, we're providing care management. But when you get into the details, there are a lot of new things. And just, you know, wrapping our heads around that and what's changing and why we're doing it and how we implement it, there are a lot of challenges there. And, you know, if we think about what we're doing in the pharma world, of course, this is a very heavily regulated industry, and, of course, and, and that plays into it as well. You know, we've learned how to navigate that over the last, decade or so of, of working in this industry, but most of our customers have not ever deployed something like this with patients. So there is kind of a, an educational component that, of course, can be challenging as well. You know, why would we take the time and effort to do something new if, uh, if it's going to take so much to do that? And, and these are a lot of the things that we come up against when we're, you know, working on getting this out with new customers and new patients. I think you mentioned something, too, at the conference about how, like, one of the first questions is always about your patents or something, and it's actually not about the actual, like, how it works and stuff. It's always, like, about your patents. Is that – was there something about that when they asked you? Yeah, that, that's certainly not uncommon. People want to understand, you know, what's unique about the technology in general, what's unique about us. You know, having, you know, we've talked about my background a little bit, having been in this space so long, you know, we do have some great patent protection around what we're doing and really sets us apart from anyone else who is, you know, coming into this space right now in terms of our approach to it and what we're able to do. And, yeah, that that is often a part of the conversation that comes up. So I'm sure, and, you know, you can see all the benefits of robotics and AI and as you mentioned, you know, it's new when you walk into this pharma or healthcare company um, in general, because I think this is something, especially for you who are listening, who, you know, might have a biotech company and, you know, you're constantly fighting to prove yourself or you want to bring a new drug to market or something. It's kind of similar to what you're doing, too. And, and I'm sure you've kind of faced an uphill battle through the development of these technologies because, as you mentioned, they're new and you're bringing something new to people. So how do you stay motivated? What advice do you have for our listeners on that end? Well, for me personally, it's, I've seen this working with patients. You know, the first time I put this out in front of patients was well over a decade ago now. And, you know, the results were incredible. You know, you heard me talk about this at Asymbia, but one of the challenges from the very first study, which was, I think, around 2007, you know, before the devices were Internet-connected, we had to get them back to get the data, and patients wouldn't give them back to us. <laughs> so they'd dress them up. they called them friends. They're like members of their family. And, you know, to see that and then to see the data that came out of this and, you know, how they engaged with it and how they stuck with their, you know, their uh, treatment regimen was pretty incredible. And, you know, for our team now that gets to see this on an everyday basis with the patients that we have using this, that's that's a great motivating factor. And I think in general working in healthcare, whether it is in, you know, pharma and biopharma or other areas, that is, you know, a wonderful motivator for the work that we all do. You know, maybe the day-to-day we don't get to interact with the patients all that often, but ultimately that is what we're here for and, you know, making a difference in people's lives that, that we can see and that we know improve them and improve outcomes is, uh, is a really great thing. Catalia Health is not your first rodeo. As we mentioned, you've been doing this for two decades and you've served and still serve as an advisor on a variety of funds and companies. So tell us what the funding landscape is for a pharma or health-based startup 
that's using or creating AI or robotics as part of their strategy? So overall right now, it's, uh, it's pretty good if you have something that you can show is going to have an impact and have a way to get to market. You know, I'd say those are the, the two things that investors are looking for today, right? Something that's differentiated and that, you know, really can be shown to work in some way at the early stages. And, you know, second has a path to actually become reality. You know, like we've been talking about over the last 20 minutes or so, you know, even having something new that works is not a guarantee that you're going to get it into people's hands. You know, if we look back over the last five or ten years, funding today is much higher than it has been in the past. You know, over the last three years, healthcare technology funding, broadly speaking, has gone up significantly. Uh, you know, if we're looking back a decade ago, it was almost a non-existent market outside of, you know, drug discovery and development. Uh, so I think it's a very exciting time. There's a lot happening in this space. We're seeing a lot of interesting things happening in artificial intelligence, a little bit in robotics. And, you know, it takes some time for these things to get to market, uh, but it's it's really happening. And there's there's a real impact from all these new companies. That actually goes perfectly into my last question for you. Um, anyone who listens to our podcast on a regular basis knows I'm a bit obsessed with always asking guests this question. It's how I kind of like to, you know, kind of end it. Um, but we ask you to look into your crystal ball uh, 10 years from now. In a perfect world, and not just, you know, for your company, but in a perfect world, how do you see the industry, how do you see robotics and AI being used by a pharmaceutical or a healthcare company. So I'm a CEO right now. I'm listening to this. I'm a CEO of a biotech or a pharmaceutical company. What do am I, how am I using robotics in 10 years? So I like this question because 10 years kind of sounds like a long time. But, you know, when we're talking about these things with a long cycle of adoption, like artificial intelligence, it's not. And so I think the companies that are going to be the leaders in 10 years are the ones that are starting today. You know, if I look at the, you know, the time that it takes for us to put together a deal with a pharma company and then go from doing that deal to actually deploying with patients, you know, I'll, I'll break that up. That first part can be anywhere from six months to two or three years, depending on how quickly they want to move into this and, and get something done. That second part, going from signing a contract to actually deploying the patients, can be another two or three years. And then, you know, learning from that, being able to decide, okay, what do we like about this? What do we want to improve? What do we want to adjust? That can be a few more years. So, you know, if you're not necessarily one of the absolutely fastest-moving organizations, and that can be a challenge for, you know, an organization the size of a biopharma or pharma company, you're talking 10 years from wanting to do something to actually learning how it's really going to work in your company. And so if, you know, you're a pharma exec and thinking that this is going to be important in 10 years, that means you need to be doing something today. And, you know, to go back to the, the answer from a few minutes ago about the different spaces that we're seeing this in terms of drug discovery and clinical trials and, you know, care for patients for drugs that we have on the market, there's a lot of companies, there, there are a lot of companies working, you know, across all of those areas, but the ones who are going to have this as a, you know, a toolkit in their business in a decade are the ones who in 2018 are starting to apply this and starting to figure out how they use it right away. 
Corey, thank you so much for sharing your insights with our listeners into how robotics and AI are being used in the pharma industry. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me on. And now it's time for this week's leadership tip from Pharma Execs. I'm Corey Kidd, the CEO of Catalia Health. One thing I've learned over the last 10 or 11 years in the startup world, and I think this applies all over the place, is that plan A is never going to work. Neither is plan B or probably plan C or D or E. And the real lesson from that is, you know, when something's going wrong or seems like it's not working, not to think it's a failure, but to be able to stop, step back, evaluate, and figure out what the next option is. And to always be doing that, even when something looks like it's working, thinking about if it's not, what am I going to do next? That, I think, really makes all the difference in terms of long-term success. Thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's Farm Exec podcast. We are always pleased to take you behind the headlines, provide expert tips from industry leaders, and give you an inside look at what the Farm Exec staff is working on. Remember that you can always find us on the web at farmexec.com, on Twitter at farmexec, or on Instagram at farmexecutive, and on YouTube. The views expressed on this podcast do not reflect the views of FarmExec, its parent company, or our advertisers. For editorial questions, please email editorial director lisa.henderson at ubm.com. And for sponsorship opportunities, please email group publisher Todd Baker at todd.baker at ubm.com. <laughs>